the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. Thanks for joining us on AM 1420. The answer, we'll go back to the phones here momentarily, but I want to start this hour. Uh, oh, sorry, by the way, it is a Wednesday, the 31st and final morning of the month of July of the year of our Lord 2019. We have to make sure to get the, the uh, formatics in there. But I want to start this hour um, by following up on something that I neglected to follow up on in the first hour. I started to tease two numbers to you, 66 million and 1.8 billion, and I said there's something they have in common. And then I, in typical ADHD fashion, uh, saw a squirrel, chased it, and lost uh, that altogether. So I want to go back to that now. Last night, the uh, Democrats decided that Donald Trump is a racist. They made statements of it. Don Lemon, the uh, uh, host uh, or moderator, one of the moderators, if you will, just said it matter-of-factly. You know, uh, President, President Trump's bigotry he talked about. He's declared President Trump to be a racist on his low-rated CNN program uh, many times. And, of course, a lot of this is over the Baltimore situation. Is President Trump, is it fair for him to point out something about an actual provable, observable fact, which is the horrendous living conditions in West Baltimore, particularly in uh, Elijah Cummings' district? Is it is it fair to point those very obvious, observable facts out if it's going to be embarrassing for the politician of color that's in charge of it? Are you allowed to point that out, or does the fact that it may look, may make a minority politician look bad, um, it has to be swallowed? You can't say it out loud, because otherwise it would be racist, right? So it, it, I had to bring this up, the, the, the couple of very important facts, $66 million. Baltimore, this year, let me backtrack again, uh, the mayor of Baltimore, Bernard Jack Young, said on Monday in response to President Trump's criticism of the conditions in Baltimore that, quote, um, 
President Trump, quote, if he really wants to, he needs to send us the federal assistance, not only to Baltimore, but to cities around this country that are in the same situation that Baltimore is in. But he's so interested in childish tweets, end quote. And I found that very interesting that he would say, hey, the answer is more federal money. Okay. This year's mayor's budget includes $66 million in federal grants. In other words, Trump and the House have sent Elijah Cummings, his district, and the whole of Baltimore $66 million in federal grants this year alone. According to a copy of the City of Baltimore's fiscal year 2019 budget, Baltimore is already spending $66.3 million in federal grants, and federal fund operating appropriation is budgeted at $165.9 million. In fiscal 2019, the federal government is providing a combined $30 million for the renovation of city streets and traffic engineering projects. Also, $2.38 million for youth violence prevention, $8.7 million for housing and community development, ding, 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 and $29 million for HIV treatment services for the uninsured. Holy goodness. The city's budget was laid out, and they are spending tens of millions of federal dollars, and yet the city still looks like it does. Now let me get to the other figure of $1.8 billion. Where did that come from? Well, back in 2009, when President Obama took over and immediately instituted his nearly uh, a trillion-dollar, nearly trillion-dollar stimulus plan, the city of Baltimore got its cut to the tune of $1.8 billion. $1.8 billion. They got just 10 years ago. That's a hell of a lot of money. Excuse my language. $26.5 million to address crime prevention. $26 million to revamp abandoned properties. $9.5 million to address homelessness all of which are still massive problems in Baltimore, which begs the question, where did that money go? Elijah Cummings, representative, where did $1.8 billion in federal taxpayer money earmarked for Baltimore's recovery and reinvestment, where is that money? Because 10 years later, the blight is worse than ever, The rat problem is so bad that just two years ago, PBS filmed a special documentary called Rat Film about the rat infestation of Baltimore. Wouldn't $1.8 billion help you get rid of the rats? Help you get rid of the blight? Help get people off the streets? Help revamp or tear down those abandoned properties? Wouldn't $1.8 billion do that for you? Where is it? Where's the money, Elijah? Where's the money, Baltimore County? Where's the money, Baltimore City officials, mayor, city council members, and so on? You got $1.8 billion back in 2009. You continue to get tens of millions of federal uh, dollars in federal grants every year, and Baltimore still looks like the way it does? It's not racist to point that out. It's common sense. But if you use common sense and point something out that apparently that makes a minority member of uh, the political class embarrassed, well, that makes you a racist. You can't do that.
So I thought it was important to point that out. Let's uh, listen to a little bit more of last night's debate and listening to the Democrats. Uh, And by the way, Bernie Sanders among them, who described Baltimore in just as harsh a terms as Donald Trump did, calling it a third world country where the residents there have a shorter lifespan than people in North Korea under the dictatorship of Kim Jong-un. He gets off without you know any problems whatsoever. He gets off, uh, uh, gets a pass on his commentary there about Baltimore. That's not racist at all, uh, but it's racist when Donald Trump points those things out. So here's uh, more on the matter of uh, on matters rather of race. Um, Elizabeth Warren isn't necessarily talking about President Trump in this one, but it's pretty hysterical to listen to her anyway. Elizabeth Warren, uh, she is where? Oh, she is cut number fourteen. Here we go. How are you going to combat the rise of white supremacy? We need to call out white supremacy for what it is, domestic terrorism. First of all, 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 once again, Don Lemon's tone. Just a matter of uh, uh, rise of white supremacy. White supremacy is on the rise in the United States of America. Prove that. Prove that. Show me that. You can't show me that. That is just another trope to say that Donald Trump is a white supremacist, and because of him, it's emboldening white supremacy across this country. It's a lie, but they need it to set up their point. Back to the United States of America. We live in a country now where the president is advancing environmental racism, economic racism, criminal justice racism, health care racism. Economic racism, environmental racism. African Americans in the history of this country have never been better off than they are right now under Donald Trump. The lowest unemployment rates for black workers in the history of this country. Wages rising faster for African Americans than they ever have in the history of this country. Criminal justice reform. Donald Trump just signed what I still contend is an ill-advised law, now a law that is uh, opening up the gates. It's a jailbreak for a whole lot of people, the vast majority of whom are minorities, opening up the gates to let them out of prison for their drug crimes and ancillary crimes that are considered, quote-unquote, nonviolent. Criminal justice reform, economic reform, President Donald Trump has been the best friend that African Americans have had in the White House in decades. Heck, even African Americans admit that he has done more for them than Barack Obama, the first black president, did in eight years. The way we do better is to fight back and show something better. So, I have a plan, for example, on education that says we have to build a better education system for all our kids, but we've got to acknowledge what's happened on race. So, my plan has universal tuition-free college for all of our kids, but also increases the Pell Grants and levels the playing field by putting $50 billion into historically black colleges and universities. Have you ever heard such blatant pandering and identity politics in your life? Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, Robert O'Rourke, and all the other candidates who have made this such a high priority for them. Reparations this, free that, all based on skin color. They see the handwriting on the wall. 
they know for a fact that there is a strong movement right now called Blexit that is spreading in this country. Blexit stands for the black exit from the Democrat Party and the Democratic plantation. They know that if Donald Trump can pull even as little as 13% of the black vote, instead of the traditional 6 to 7% that most Republican candidates get, if he can just increase that by a few points, game's over, friends. Game set and match. Drive home safely. They're done if they lose even a small portion of the traditional black vote that goes Democrat. They're done. And they're terrified because they're hearing black Americans tell, uh, tell them and tell the media that President Trump has been better for them than President Obama has been. That their job prospects are better than they've ever been. Their wages are higher than they've ever been. So what do they do? We've got to keep these people on the plantation. I'll give you more free stuff. I'll throw $50 billion into just historically black colleges. The other colleges, well, we'll discriminate against them because they're not black enough. How would that go over? How would that go over if she said, we're going to give specifically $50 billion if I'm president to the Ivy League schools or other schools that are traditionally whiter than black? What do you think they would say about that? Wouldn't they call that, I don't know, racism? Racial discrimination based on the color of the student body? Think that would go over okay? No. But we're going to give you more money for your colleges. And reparations? Oh, boy. You better believe there are going to be reparations. And not just small amounts of reparations, but massive amounts of reparations. We'll buy your loyalty yet, black America. We know that you can be bought. We know and all it's going to take is one to five hundred billion dollars of reparations to be paid to black people whose ancestors were enslaved. How are they going to prove that? Is everybody going to do the 23andMe or Ancestry.com test? Nope. If you look the part, you're going to get the money. Who's going to pay for it? Where's that coming from? Everybody else. Everybody else. The white devils that are the descendants of slave owners will be paying back the descendants of slaves despite the fact that none of us, neither whites nor blacks in the United States today, had anything to do with it on either side. But that's what they called for. Marianne Williamson laid it out. Reparations will be screamed about again tonight by Kamala Harris, by Cory Booker, primarily the two African-American uh, highest polling uh, in, the, uh, in the Democratic field, probably by Joe Biden, too. It is all about racial division. It is all about identity politics. It is all about the politics of personal destruction. BJ in uh, North Olmsted. Hi, BJ. Go ahead. Thank you, Bob. One of the observations I made uh, for the political side is there was no joy. There was no there was no joy on their faces whatsoever, which points something psychologically different than politics going on here. 
there is no solution that comes from them. They're, all they do is fault, but no solution for the fault. And I believe the real problem is they do not comprehend how the things that Donald Trump accomplished were accomplished. He made sort shift in two years that things have taken place in the employment and all these other levels. They can't comprehend it. The former Democratic Party and the current Democratic Socialist Party always has lived on malcontent, looking for problems in the society. They have never been happy about the American dream. This group of people showed no joy of being an American at all yesterday. Even the, even the, even the most conservative of the Democrats that were there, I have no idea why they're in the party. They just don't fit. They would be par- probably... Well, there were no, there uh, were no conservatives, BJ, that were that are on that stage. There might have been, as I said, it's described them before, more center leftists, but they are still right. center leftists. They are not conservative. They are they 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 were the last bastion of hope for you know moderate moderation in the party, right. and and they were there. But here's the thing, and I pointed this out on Hugh's show as well. And BJ, I got to run. Thanks for the call. They're there, but but John Hickenlooper, who provided some moderate comments. Um, Steve Bullock, who provided some moderate comments. Um, John, um, Delaney, who provided some moderate comments on that stage. You know, they look conservative compared to the far leftists, but what, what do they all have in common, the ones I just mentioned? None of them are polling above single digits. Who is polling above single digits? Who is polling in double digits? The two far leftists. Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. So that lets you know all you need to know about the current state of the Democrat Party. Sorry, we went a little long there. It's 1024 back after this. WHKRadio.com is where to find the Bob France Authority podcast. Gary is calling us from Olmstead Township next on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Gary, go ahead. Hey, Bob. Uh, three comments, and then I'll hang up and listen to your uh, okay. response. First one is, uh, I really want to congratulate you on your you know, your uh, promotions, uh, even though they're here and there, to uh, national radio. You do a phenomenal job, and, and you're uh, a great representative for the city of Cleveland. That's and, very kind uh, of you. Thank you. Next, next, I want to tell you, okay, that if if I woke up tomorrow morning and I, I found myself uh, thinking and speaking Ebonics, would that qualify me as making a cultural transition to being black and being eligible for reparations? The next comment I want to make is, Bob, the rats will never ever be removed from uh, Baltimore. I mean, uh, President Trump could could spend a billion dollars down there trying to get rid of the rats. Peter will immediately uh, try to get an injunction against it uh, <laughs> because they don't want the rats dead. So I'll let you go. Have a great day, Bob. Bye-bye. Gary, thanks for the call. I appreciate that uh, chuckle at the end there. Yeah, that's true. Peter would fight for the rights of the rats to have just as much living space as the humans have uh, in Baltimore. And right now they do. By the way, the seriously, the, the number of rats in Baltimore, I think, think it's exceeded according to orkin.com you know orkin is the pest control company uh i think the number of rats that are currently in baltimore is exceeded only by the number of rats currently in the democratic caucus in the house of representatives we'll be back after this 
1035 as we roll onward on this Wednesday, Wednesday edition of The Authority. Thanks for being with us. Don't forget, in 25 minutes, Mike Gallagher will be there to take you through more analysis of last night's Demon Rat debate. You will then get Dennis Prager's take. Dr. G. Sebastian Gorka should be fun. J. Secular Larry Elder, stay right here. If you really want the best analysis of the Demon Rat debates, if you really want the best analysis on everything going on in D.C. and in our own little backyards right now, stay right here. And if you want it free of buffoonery, uh, this is where you want to be, right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Phone lines are open still at 216-901-0945. You can also make sure to text, or excuse me, tweet, Facebook comment, or parlor comment to me at France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio. I'm going to pivot away for a few minutes now, away from last night's debate, and I'm going to go back. Uh, a little bit to last week. Uh, it was last Wednesday. We go today, in fact, that uh, Bob Mueller embarrassed himself by essentially uh, exposing the fact that he did not know what was in the Mueller report. Not only did he not write it, he probably did not lead the research and investigation that went into it. Who did? Maybe is the bulldog Andrew Weissman. Maybe some of the corrupt members of the FBI that were on his team until it became public that uh, uh, everybody knew what Peter Strzok was into and uh, Bob Mueller had to quote-unquote reassign him. That's a long, drawn-out introduction of our next guest. I want to welcome John Legato to the program. John Legato knows what I'm talking about because uh, he is a retired member of the FBI, a retired agent, and he is currently an author. And his most recent book is, well, not even most recent, it's still to come. It's going to be released at the end of the summer, to my understanding, is called The Comey Gang. And it's uh, going to deal with uh, all of the inner workings of how the FBI became corrupted under James Comey and also under Assistant Director Andrew McCabe. And John Legato joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Bob. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. I appreciate you coming on to spend some time. You're giving me a chance to break away from the debate conversation for a little while, so I appreciate that. Um, our mutual friend, A.J. Perry, turned me on to your story and uh, specifically to the book that you've got coming out called The Comey Gang. And before we talk specifically about what's in it, can you address what I just used in the introduction of this segment? And that is Bob Mueller's uh, very highly questionable leadership, uh, if you can even call it leadership, of the Mueller team that included uh, a bunch of FBI agents as well as... Um, uh, 19 high-powered, high-Democrat donating or donor uh, lawyers as well. Can you give me your impression of what you heard from that uh, uh, that hearing last Wednesday, John? You know, it was sadness. Um, I met Mueller, um, and we're both former Marines, Vietnam vets, so it hurts me to, to see that. But Bob Mueller, in my opinion, was, was never a good uh, leader, whether he was uh, the director what Bob Mueller essentially did during his 12 years was he merged the FBI into the political justice department. And 12 years later, and then after Comey's few years, the FBI became a political entity, and it never was before that. So is it fair to say then, and let's get into the content of your book now, which again isn't out until a little bit later on. Can you tell me when that's released, by the way, John? John Legato? Yeah, you broke up. Can you repeat the question? I'm sorry. I just said, when does your book come out this summer? It comes out October 6th, and um, you can can get it on Amazon, Simon & Schuster. It's it's ready for pre-order right now. 
Got it. Thank you. That's why I wanted to know. It's called the Comey Gang. So obviously I haven't read it yet. So I need to, some some info on what's in it. But based on what you just said, that Bob Mueller was never a real leader, even when he was director of the FBI, and he was succeeded by James Comey, uh, who was uh, a very effective leader of the FBI, but perhaps led the FBI in a manner that is not consistent with the law. Do you think those two things, and you mentioned the merging of the FBI with the political justice department, is that how James Comey began to be the, uh, uh, you know, the less than scrupulous leader of the FBI that he was? Well, you know, I, the book looked into how did, what factors placed this group of co-conspirators at the same time and place. And part of the reason, and I go into the book, you know, the, the FBI got away from its core values. Uh, and, but the number one reason that we are in this, this situation right now is leadership. The FBI got away from leadership and they got to careerism and, making decisions by avoiding making decisions. Uh, but Comey assembled a like-minded group of people. If you if you think about Charles Page, uh, Baker, uh, Priestap, they all thought the same. And this allowed them to get together and, and plot uh, treason. I mean, close to treason. Maybe not technically treason, but close to it. Um, go deeper there on how they all came together because it's, it, it, I think most of us would, would think that there was some organizer, some leader who kind of brought everybody else in on the scam, if you will. You know, if we're not going to call it treason or whatever, but the, the plot to overthrow the president, the plot to stop the president from becoming the president, uh, you know, through the entirety of the affair of the, you know, the FISA court and the spying and so on and so forth, the struck messages saying we have an insurance policy. He won't win, but if he does, here's our insurance policy on how we'll get rid of him. Uh, most of us want to believe that there's one guy who was the organizer, you know, the uh, uh, the Don of the whole thing, and everybody else were just capos and, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and you know, thugs who were, who were doing the work for them. Was there one leader, or were they all there kind of uh, of the same mindset and everybody kind of, kind of came together organically? No, you know, Peter Strauss, people don't realize, he was a deputy assistant director, which is a very high position. He and, and Lisa Page and Andy McCabe were the core group, those three, let me give you an example. The, the midterm uh, investigation was a Hillary email. That's what they called it, investigation. And Strauss picked approximately 10 agents to work on that. And his, when he was testifying before Congress, he said, I couldn't make a decision. There were 10 of us. Well, what he assembled is 10 agents that all hated Trump and loved Hillary. And if you dig deep in the inspector general's report, the, the one that already came out, some of these other 10 agents were more vitriol and more uh, hated Trump more than Strauss and Page, if that's possible. But some of the emails were amazing that agents were uh, saying about Trump. And the, one of the things one of the agents says is the retards in Ohio voted for Trump. I mean, and that's that's the type of communication these agents who all hated Trump and loved Hillary. Um, we're talking to John Legato, the author of The Comey Gang, a book coming out October 6th. He mentioned before it's available for pre-order right now on Amazon through Simon & Schuster. John, what, what was Comey's 
role in all of that? Um, you, you know, you, you point out that 10 of them were even more vitriolic toward Trump than Strzok and Page, who we, we know very well because of those text messages. Was Comey guiding all of them, or was he just kind of looking the other way and letting them uh, do their thing in terms of what they wanted to do to Donald Trump? Well, if you look at Comey uh, closely, he, he's not a conservative. He's not a Republican. Uh, he's a pretty liberal guy, and his his family worked for the Hillary election committee. And I looked at everybody on that seventh floor, which is the executive floor, from Bill Priestap, who was Peter Strauss's boss, and McCabe, and most of them had connections to Hillary. For example, what the inspector general found is Andrew McCabe and the Clintons were neighbors in New York uh, about 20 years ago. He never brought that up. Um, McCabe's wife received a half million dollars in, in um, campaign contributions from Terry McAuliffe, the governor of uh, Virginia, and the Clintons' good friend. So they assembled this like now. And it's not hard. If I'm assistant director or deputy director, I get to pick who I want. You know, in, in my posse, in my in my squad, in my uh, my division. So that's what happened. I mean, they, they had like-minded. And the other thing that Bill that's, that's that's interesting is there's this thing called Beltway delusion, and that is the people within the Beltway and FBI headquarters just assume that their decisions are divinely inspired. And, and I'll give you an example. When Comey got fired, McCabe said that the rank-and-file agents all supported Comey. And, and that's delusion. I mean, if you would have called up some agent in New York for a second opinion, it wouldn't be that, that the, the rank-and-file, the brick agents like Comey. So you had that going through. You had this beltway delusion of, of lockstep. We, we don't like uh, Trump. We love Clinton. Um. Tell me more about McCabe, John Legato, uh, author of uh, The Comey Gang. Tell me about McCabe's role in all of this, other than misstating what you just pointed out and uh, suggesting that all the rank and file loved him. Uh, was he more involved in the, if I can use the word coup, I, I feel like that's what it was. Was he more involved in the thick of it than Comey was himself? Up to his butt, yeah. McCabe is an interesting guy. If you watch the 60 Minutes interview, he he wordsmith some things. For example, he said that, and and here's going to be a, a, a perjury thing. Is he said that Comey gave him permission to leak, and um, Comey said he didn't. But what McCabe did is he leaked information. In fact, the attorney, the Inspector General, found that there were 20 or 30. FBI employees leaking information. But what McCabe did is he tried to distinguish leaking from giving, he said he had permission to deal with the press. So like, for example, in the Cleveland FBI division, there's there's a person that's the, the public affairs, they deal with the press. That person has authority to deal with the, the plane dealer or whoever. They don't have permission to leak. So what McCabe does is he, he, he said, I have permission to deal with the press, but he was leaking and he was lying. McCabe is a liar. And that's what he's, he's uh, referred to the uh, Justice Department for indictment is for lying. 
John Legato is my guest, the author of The Comey Gang, uh, making sense of how James Comey's corrupt FBI. And, you know, it's, it, I, I see and hear, uh, John, a lot of conservatives who are not necessarily never Trumpers, but they're not necessarily huge fans of the president either, suggesting that it's wrong for us in the media and wrong for President Trump or anybody else to vilify and critique or criticize the FBI, saying the FBI is is kind of beyond reproach, that these are the men and women of law enforcement and we can't criticize the FBI. Is it fair game to criticize the FBI at its leadership levels? Not talking about all those rank and file, because we're told that we can't say anything about Comey and McCabe and Strzok and Page or any of them because they work for an agency that is uh, supposed to be beyond reproach. First of all, uh, there's a misconception that FBI directors or FBI agents, there's only been one full-time agent, uh, and that was Clarence Kelly. So these guys come from the Justice Department, and they bring with them that culture. It it was a perfect storm, and it's okay. Listen, the the FBI headquarters and the field have a natural sort of a yin and yang. The field views headquarters as obstructionists. And, you know, they're, they're careerists. They, they don't make decisions. Uh, and I can give you an example. Okay. Um, the, um, the terrorist attacks on 9-11, the Minneapolis office of the FBI sent 70 communications to headquarters mm-hmm. saying that they believe Zachariah Mosales was going to fly airplanes into, into uh, American buildings. Mm-hmm. 70 communications and, and phone calls. They had information from the CIA. They had information that they were looking at Masawas. He paid $84,000 in cash for flight lessons. And he was the one that said, I only need, need to know how to take off. So after the first building was struck, and, and what they wanted was a FISA warrant. Um, 99% of all FISA warrants are approved. It's, it's a very informal communication uh, where you go into this this room with a judge who you know, you generally know, and you sit down and and you give your probable cause and they sign it because they're not hearing an opposing view. So that's all they wanted was a FISA warrant and they were refused, you know, 70 times. After the first plane struck, uh, they called headquarters and the headquarters said this radical fundamentalist unit, this is a coincidence. Then after the second plane hit, they gave them the warrant. And the agents found enough material that could have prevented 9-11. That is, is a uh, staggering revelation. Uh, John Legato is our guest, the uh, author of The Comey Gang. Let me ask you one final question. I'm really looking forward to reading your book that comes out in October. And again, I'll encourage people to pre-order that at uh, Amazon.com or through Simon & Schuster. John, um, you have Bill Barr... Um, investigating the investigators. He has appointed John Durham, uh, 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 federal uh, attorney, to investigate uh, the investigators. And, of course, we're all waiting for Inspector General Horowitz's report as well. There are three reports that are supposed to be coming out maybe by the end of the summer or the beginning of the fall. Does Comey and the gang you write about, do they have uh, any legal worries, do you think? Should they be afraid of what's coming in these reports? Uh, they should be very afraid, uh, very, very afraid. You know, and I have chapters in my book on selective prosecution. 
But on a prima facie case, Comey was, if Comey's own words is that he was investigating President Trump for obstruction of justice. He reduced that to memos, which are investigative memos, according to his own words. And then he leaked it to the New York Times through a friend. He leaked investigative materials. He, he's got worries. McCabe has been caught in so many lies. You know, Strauss and Page have also been caught in lies. So they, you know, if the justice system works the way it's supposed to, um, I see about maybe on the initial go around, uh, maybe five, six, seven uh, referrals for indictments. Wow. That would that would be amazing. And it would be justice. And again, I don't want to... I don't want to say too much that I cannot say, and obviously I'm looking forward to reading more of the details in your book, but based on everything that I've seen presented in these congressional hearings, uh, through the testimony and the questioning of witnesses, um, it is, it is long overdue because this, uh, this witch hunt, as the president has called it, is far more dangerous than most people even realize. And if we don't do something about those who did it and who, who perpetrated this crime, it's going to be repeated against other unpopular presidents as well. Uh, John Legato, former FBI agent, uh, retired Marine as well, and author of The Comey Gang, which is coming out this October. I thank you so much for your insight on this. And when the book comes out and I get a chance to read it in more depth, or read it, period, and I get more uh, in-depth information, we'll have you back on and talk about it again. Sound all right? Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you, John. I appreciate you coming on. That's John Legato giving us a little bit of a preview based on what we saw last week in review of uh, the Bob Mueller testimony. Final segment coming up right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Now heard through downtown, through Greater Cleveland, on 102.5 FM. It's the Bob France Authority. All right, final segment of the authority for this morning. Five hours of radio uh, being wrapped up here. I will do another five tomorrow morning as I sit in for Hugh Hewitt again and again on Friday. So tune in from 6 to 9 for that part of the show. We'll analyze tomorrow uh, on Hugh's program. Clearly, the uh, round two or second part, I guess, of round two of the debates, which will be tonight. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, also going to talk to Dr. Everett Piper on the regular program tomorrow as well. So make sure you tune in uh, as long as you can. Uh, from 6 until 11 tomorrow morning right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Let me uh, wrap it up with a phone call from Jan in Cleveland. Hi, Jan. Go right ahead. Uh, Bob, I, a chill went up my spine when I heard that 9-11 might have been prevented. Yeah, mine and too. That was quite uh, quite a revelatory uh, statement by, uh, by my guest. Remember who was in charge of the FBI at that, that time and who changed the FBI uh, lexicon of training manuals when it came to uh, anything to do with uh, Islamic terrorism and all the words that were taken out of the lexicon and how the training manuals changed. It was Bob Mueller who was in, in charge of the FBI at that time. There's another correct. thing that, that fits with this that just makes me very... I, I'm going through the whole gamut of emotions about it right now because of that. And I'm very angry <laughs> about it. Yeah, um, you know, a, a, a lot of this, 
not all of it, but a lot of this was covered in the um, the 9-11 Commission's report. Um, a lot of it came out afterward. A lot of digging was done by some intrepid journalists to, to, to uh, figure out how and why a lot of that lexicon and that vocabulary was changed, uh, Jan. And the idea, and thanks for the call. I, I wish I had more time to talk to you, especially because you're so emotional about this. Um, but And maybe we can talk more about it tomorrow. But a lot of this was covered. A lot of it was not. And apparently there are still more revelations to, to come, which is exactly what John Legato was talking about in his book. And, uh, and we're going to have to dig more into that. Uh, but you're right. Bob Mueller and Louis Free were the uh, FBI directors uh, at that time. And uh, they did oversee all of the above. So we'll have to talk more about that as we go. But I can't talk about it now because uh, Mike Gallagher is waiting in the wings. We don't keep Mike Gallagher waiting. Mike Gallagher shows up on time. He's up next, and we'll talk to you tomorrow when I'm in for Hugh Hewitt. Have a great day. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.